Welcome to a podcast called Intrepid. I'm Craig Forces. I'm here with Stephanie Carvin at the Norman Patterson School of International Affairs, high above the Rideau River, and Yay. this is our Christmas special. Yay! Now, I brought cookies. You did it actually very good. <laughs> Thank uh, you. The challenge is that we did this kind of wacky Christmas special last year, and, yeah. and now we feel obliged to make it a tradition. Yeah. For no good reason, really, actually. We impose these things re- on ourselves. Reason was to suggest that we should quit <laughs> while we're ahead, but... Um, no, but, no, no. I want to... We're just going to dig ourselves deeper into that hole. Right. That's how... That's so geared up for this. I've been watching Hallmark Christmas specials for like a month. I am ready. So for people who don't recall, our, our Christmas special tradition is to come up with some wacky hypothetical fact pattern and, and walk through some of the legal and policy implications. And last time we, we focused mostly on domestic national security law. And we thought this year we'd have one with more of an international flavor. So an international relations, international law flavor. Santa, he's crossing borders. Well, that's it, what right? Is he so up to? how could you possibly assume there wasn't an international flavor involving our chief characters here? And so our chief characters are, of course, Santa. Right. Who is a, who is the monarch of of uh, Christmas Town? Yes, right. And we've got supreme uh, ruler. We, by popular demand, we've come back with the Island of Misfit Toys, which oh. is a separate sovereign state. Yeah. Okay. So I just have to put in a disclaimer here. So um, one of my very good friends, who happens to be from Quebec, had no idea what we were talking about. <laughs> so I'm just going to say, if you're from Quebec and you've never watched the, uh, I think 1964. Uh, kind of animated, it's not animated, it's like the like claymation version of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Um, do yourself a favor, stop the podcast and go onto Netflix and watch it because it's going to sound like we're on acid basically <laughs> well, for the next we're not. We're actually, in fact, we're on your cookies. Yeah, we're just on the cookies. Um, and they're not edibles, right? They're like normal cookies. Uh, all right. Yes. So <laughs> the Misfit Toys is ruled by Boss Elf. Boss Elf has now actually become the head of state of the island of misfit toys, but Wait, has, head of state. Yeah, head so, of state. So okay, so Santa's the monarch. Mo- no, separate separate countries. Separate Chris- countries. Christmas Town is a, is its own sovereign state. Okay, and Misfit Toys, Misfit for short, right. is its own sovereign state, and it's headed by Boss Elf. Oh right? wow! And, but He's it used to out. he has, but it, but it, it used to be run by uh, King Moon Racer. Yeah, uh, but he was uh, it was a coup. Man. Yeah, we'll get back to that. Okay. All right. Because he was, you know, he's he's like a lion with wings. So, All right. I'm so that's our uh, dramatis uh, personae. That's our uh, list of characters. Um, and so let's let's start this plot, right? And so um, the 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 dispute really starts around this little island called Christmas Island, which is an uninhabited island somewhere, presumably in the Arctic Ocean, recently exposed by massive ice melt. Um, oh it has no permanent population, but in fact, it was discovered originally in 1066 by Santa Claus. <laughs> Santa Claus, the navigator, right? Who espied Christmas Island from afar if we and, bring and in claimed like, it and claimed it for Christmas time. If we bring in Her Majesty right of pot on this, <laughs> but, is this but, but, doctrine of yeah. discovery? Doctrine of discovery, right? <laughs> right so he's okay. claiming Christmas Island for Christmas Town. Oh God! Um, but he never visited again after 1066. Right? Really? Okay. But this year, what happens? Well. The, uh, there's an, a survey vessel from Misfit, the island of Misfit Toys, right. the sovereign state of Misfit, the survey vessel of Bodie McBodyface, and it arrives oh, it, it arrives at Christmas Island and conducts a geological survey and discovers, lo and behold, that it's replete with valuable minerals, including Christmas magic. Oh, of course. That yeah. is the most valuable min- yeah. mineral. So there's Christmas magic. And so uh, the when the Christmas town government finds out about this survey vessel, it, through its ambassador to Misfit, issues a diplomatic uh, dis- demarche and protests saying that the Christmas Island is an indisputable sovereign territory of the Santa Clausian monarchy of Christmas town, right? And so they dispute the presence of misfit 
on this island, say it's part have of you, Christmas have, Town. Right. This is good. Have you thought through how a, a Santa Clausian monarchy differs from, say, the Westphalian system? Uh, well, no, it is part of the Westphalian system. I suppose the difference between the Santa Clausian monarchy and, uh, say, the uh, the constitutional monarchy that uh, we live in is that Santa Claus is an absolute ruler who never dies. Okay. That's... <laughs> <laughs> That, that might pose some challenges yeah, in our does. system, there's but no, fine. Well, there's no problem succession, right? right. I mean, most monarchs oh. really fail over succession. I wonder they, how they've, Phil feels they've, about they've that. They've defeated this problem. Right. Okay. Phil, like I guess we may have some solutions for you. All right. So the, I guess the question is, who can claim sovereignty over Christmas Island? Okay. Do you want me to try yeah, to answer right. that? Oh, boy. Okay. So, okay. So... I don't think showing up once is in 1066. sufficient in 1066, which, you know, <laughs> William the Conqueror, it was, it was a, big, a year. big year, big year for conquering. Um, the Okay, so in my understanding, this is where I fail out of, of fake law school, is you have to show some kind of effective control and uh, actual occupation of that territory. You can't just show up and be like, it's mine now, yeah. and then leave, right? Yeah, Am yeah. I right? Yeah, well, yes! so so <laughs> you are because of the timing issue, issue here. Right. So the Doctrine of Discovery, which let's assume for the sake of argument in 1066 was the was the dominant principle of international law. It's 1066 is pretty early, right? Because it really was a concept that grew up in the period of European expansionism in the, in the early modern period. But uh, discovery was often claimed by states as saying, look, you know, hark, there flieth an island. And they plant the flag in the, in the cross and say, I claim this for, you know, whatever monarch in Europe. And it was used, discovery was used at least initially to distinguish between the relative merits of different European claims. But it also was the genesis thereafter for claims in relation, say, to sovereign title um, in a colony, which had the effect ultimately of displacing indigenous people. But it was tied there to really effective occupation, that the the discovery was crystallized by the subsequent presence of the state and state instruments, right? Now, that was even true in the, in the heyday of discovery. But by the 19th century, it was very, very clear that the the basis for any claim of what's known as terra nullius, that is empty land, mm-hmm. and and we made it easy here, this island, Christmas island, is truly empty, it doesn't have any people on it, had to be the assertion of effective control, which required, by effective control, the intent by the state to manifest control along with some factual aspect of control by the state, and by, by state organs, not, you know, people, nationals of the state, but by state organs. So bringing this away slightly from Christmas magic and town and right. misfits for now... This is the kind of logic that applies to, say, uh, the Canadian North, uh, the idea of our Northwest Passage, the the fact that we have to be able to demonstrate some kind of effective control and yeah, so to it's not kind really, of assert, make our sovereignty claims. Well, it's not really contest. So there's no con- – except for Hans Island. It, there's no contest right now as to the, the jurisdiction over territory, at least land territory mm-hmm. in the high Arctic. Uh, it's there's there's no doubt that it's Canadian except for Hans Island. The issue is really in terms of the Arctic is a, is this dispute over the extent of the continental shelf because they overlap between different countries, and that's really governed by the law of the sea, which is quite a different instrument. Right. But if you if one were to find, let's say hypothetically right now, one were to find, say, Christmas Island, an island that you didn't know existed, that no one had any current sovereign control over, that suddenly emerges from the ice. Um, in international waters in the high Arctic, at the very North Pole, let's say there's actually land there and the ice melts and there's this land. So who and gets Putin to claim... doesn't get to it first. Well, it, it is. It, <laughs> it's whoever gets to it first and asserts effective control. Oh, man. Yeah, We're so, going to lose so, that. And the reason this largely becomes... Uh, theoretical exercises, there's very little land left on the planet over which there's not a, an existing assertion of, of sovereignty. So uh, in this situation, the fact that the misfit uh, island of misfit toys is there, 
they are demonstrating that they have control yes. of it, so it's theirs. Well, at this point, I don't know that they've manifested enough effective control just by surveying it, but possibly, right? Certainly, they've as com- as compared to the. Christmas the, town. Christmas town. They've asserted more effective control, right? right? So at this point, I would say that they've probably, if it were a contest, have a, a better claim. But let's keep going here, right? Yes. So, so several months after the receipt of this protest from Christmas Town, can we just pretend, sorry, quickly, that the Christmas Town uh, ambassador is girl elf? Well, we can. We have the ambassador. Just, oh, that's the foreign affairs minister. Okay, so yeah, okay. So girl, girl elf. Girl, I just want right. to give gender um, representation. Gen- gender representation. Okay. okay. So, so uh, after this protest from Christmas Town, a few months later, uh, in this year, 2019, the misfit government dispatches a naval vessel, seize the day. Oh, it's spelled S E A S. The day. It's just uh, sorry. And, and, and it escorts Bodie McVodie face back to uh, this island, Christmas Island. Now, the misfit expedition at this point uh, is fifty-five misfit toy soldiers and some misfit scientists who set up a meteorological station and proceed to continue the geologic survey. Sure. So, by adding that fact, we've compounded the degree of effective control that misfit is exercising over this. Terra nullius, right? right. This, so there's empty more, land. more control. So, so the facts are now improving in terms of the quality of their claim, their sovereign claim. Now, the uh, misfit uh, government, in the name of Bad Elf or Boss Elf, Boss Elf, in the name of Who Boss could, could also be Bad, bad Elf. Yeah. So in the name of Boss Elf, says uh, you know this island is now called Boss Elf Island, and it's the territory of misfit. And so they're claiming it now as their own sovereign territory. Right. So, so that's the, the, in terms of the the relative claims. Christmas Town is saying, yeah, it's ours, and Misfit is saying, no, it's ours. I think at this point, Misfit's got the better claim because of the doctrine of effective control. Right. All right. So, uh, there's a protest after this announcement. In Christmas where, Town, where is this protest? Well, no, the, the diplomatic protest by, oh, okay. by, by Christmas Town, and they say to the Misfit government. That's a violation of our sovereignty, and it sends Christmas Town Santa Claus sends a naval task force to the region. Wow! And the task force begins conducting toy rocket exercises ten nautical <laughs> miles from Christmas Island's coast. Oh boy! Is that lawful? Um, ten nautical. Okay, that's the the key. There is the distance. Yes. Why? Right. Um, because you have uh, a certain amount of miles that you can right. claim as your territory. And then, I, but I think we're it's trying 12. to, I think, is it 12? Yes. Okay, so no, that's, that's bad. Okay, so it's 12. And then, but aren't some states trying to push it to 50 or something? Well, okay, so this is a law of the sea question, right? So under the law of the sea convention and also in custom international law. So if you have sovereignty over the land, there's a belt of sea known as the territorial sea over which you exert equivalent sovereignty. Right, you're sure. Subject, subject to something called innocent passage, which we'll get to in a second. Okay. And that and that band of sea or that belt of sea off the coast is 12 nautical miles from usually the low water mark. There are exceptions where they have a fringe of islands like fjords, but we don't have to talk about that. So basically 12 nautical miles. And within those 12 nautical miles, you assert the same degree of sovereignty as you would over your land territory, subject to this concept of innocent passage. And innocent passage really allows for ships to transit through this belt of sea without impeding their navigation. And so to be innocent passage, it has to be innocent mm-hmm. and you know, shooting off weaponry Ro- well, in, yeah, a, in an effort to intimidate a state is not innocent and it has to be passage in the sense it has to be expeditious movement from you know, through the territorial sea and back into the high seas. I think toy rocket exercises is the most adorable form of aggression you can have. <laughs> right. Well, you know, we have other forms like that coming up pretty soon. <laughs> oh, God. But, but the bottom line is this is really problematic. Right? Yeah. So it's a threat. Th- so this comes up in the context of what are known as freedom of navigation exercises right? Or operations. 
And so you do have ins- instances in relation to contested territories and contested waters where those states that have blue water navies, say the United States, will intentionally sail their ships through contested waters in order to assert their right of navigation. Now, to be lawful, if it's in 12 nautical miles, then it does have to be innocent passage. I mean, you can't just park your ship in that 12 nautical miles zone and, and you know, fire off weaponry and engage in exercises, at least you can't if you accept that the state has sovereignty over the land whose belt of sea that is. Right. And if you don't accept that the state has sovereignty over the land whose belt of sea that is, then the water is in question really if there's no one who has sovereignty, say, over that land, it's still international waters. You need freedom of the high seas. You can do uh, whatever you want. Okay. So, so, if so this, this is going to South China Sea territory, right? Uh, okay. I see what you're doing here. Yeah. I see what you're doing. Um, so basically the issue here with the new island is that uh, what are we calling it? We're calling it the we're, the territory of uh, territory well, Boss Island, the territory Christmas of, Island, but but you know Boss Elf is calling it Boss Elf Island. So it's Christmas Island versus Boss Elf. Okay. So basically, the fact that this is disputed territory means that the ten nautical mile, miles wouldn't necessarily apply. Not not for Christmas Town, right? So Christmas Town would say, no, 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 we're the sovereign over Christmas Island, right? And we can do whatever we want because these are our territorial waters. And so we're not in violation of our international obligations. From the perspective of Misfit, Misfit says, no, 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 we're the sovereign over what they would call Boss Elf Island, and you're within our territorial sea, which extends about 12 nautical miles, and you're engaging in a practice that is not innocent passage, and therefore you're violating your international law obligations. Right. Yeah. Okay. So now the other issue too is that uh, you talked about different bands, so we don't have to get into it because it's not a part of our facts, but there are other bands of water beyond 12 nautical miles where states- exercise not sovereignty per se, but degrees of jurisdiction. And so the most famous uh, additional band is what's known as the Exclusive Economic Zone, the EEZ, and it extends 200 nautical miles out from the typically the low water mark, right, the baselines. Um, And within that zone from 12 nautical miles, uh, the territorial sea, out to 200 nautical miles, you have exclusive economic rights, but it's not a right of sovereignty per se, right? So you have a you have the primary right to exploit living and non-living natural resources. So fish and, and, um, and oil. And, and, well, yeah, exactly. Uh, but you can't interfere with the rights of navigation of other states, right? Right. So they can do pretty much what they want in terms of navigation, including you know stopping doing max, missile exercises, et cetera, et cetera. But they can't exploit your resources. So it's a it's a lesser degree. It's not real sovereignty you have over the exclusive economic zone. Rather, it's a right, to, a limited jurisdictional right in relation to resources. But that's not on our facts. So we're really right. concerned with the territorial sea, the 12 nautical miles. All right. So in response to these events, Christmastown decides it's going to try to de-escalate. And so it, says, it sends its foreign affairs minister, Hernie the Elf, Oh, Hermes back. Hermes back, yes. Right. Uh, to Misfit in order to try to negotiate a settlement. Yeah. Now, did Hermes get that promotion? Yeah, well, the Foreign Affairs Minister, right? Well, after the, after the, you know, is there a minority government now and he's got a new job? <laughs> he's he's, 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 he's the uh, intergovernmental uh, minister for- He's gone on, uh, yeah. yeah. Right, for, for different factions within Christmastown? Yeah, well. Yeah. Uh, no, he's ex- ex- exclusively Foreign Affairs Minister. He's, right. Like, he's wearing one hat, a little green one, like the green hat. He's wearing that green hat. All right, so- um, so we'll come back to what happens to poor Hermine the Elf in a minute, but uh, we're going to bring in the Security Council. So you want to just continue with, us with this, what happens with the Security Council here. So alarmed by events at the North Pole, the UN Security Council held an emergency meeting on December 21st, 2019. A draft resolution was tabled by Mexico and was co-sponsored by Chile, France, and Germany. It read, the Security Council 
reaffirming that under the Charter of the United Nations, primary responsibility for the maintenance of international peace and security is conferred on the Security Council acting under Chapter 7 of the United Nations. Now, that's key. There's something I always yeah, try to point out to my students. Yeah. yeah, because it's like when you look at these UN Security Council resolutions, there's like 12 pages of acting, believing, right. you know, expressing, whatever it is that they do. Um, it, but until they say acting under Chapter 7 of the Charter, everything else kind of really doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, and Chapter 7 is the ch- chapter in the UN Charter which relates to international peace and security and gives the Security Council competence to issue binding international resolutions, which all members of the of the UN are obliged to adhere to, including measures short of use of force and in circumstances where the Security Council concludes that measures short of use of force will not resolve the international peace and security crisis, it can authorize force, right? So Article 41 measures short of use of force, Article 42 measures uh, authorizing use of force. And so what do they actually say here? Well, yeah, I was just going to say an example of that is our terrorism, a lot of the terrorism stuff about like listing people and stuff like that. I believe that's all under Chapter 7. Yeah, it's all in Chapter 7. In fact, the the Security Council, when it does binding things, has to be operating under Chapter 7. Seven. Right. Yeah. Okay. So what does it say? It says, one, decides that the governments of Misfit Islands and Christmas Town must cease and desist all and any use of threat of force in violation of the UN Charter. Right. Okay. That's so right, Christmas Town. Decides. That's important, right? So it's not recommends, advise, it decides. And so, again, in terms of of secret words, code words, right? So acting under Chapter 7, the Security Council decides that you must do X, Y, and Z. That's binding. And so uh, on the presumption that the uh, Island of Misfit uh, Toys and Christmastown are both members of the UN, and even if they weren't, by the way, there are instances where the UN Security Council is purported to assert uh, its authority in relation to non-members. But let's assume that they are members. They are now bound as a matter of international law to adhere if this resolution is in fact good law, right? So does this resolution pass? And so I've said here that in this little fact uh, hypothetical that we've prepared, the Security Council voted on the matter resulting in the following tally. Affirmative votes 10, including all permanent members other than China. Always China. Negative votes 4 and abstentions China. Right. Actually, China often uh, will not, will abstain on a lot of these things. That's to be fair. So, so, So the question is, has that passed? Yes. And yeah, right, because there are 50 members of the Security Council. You need nine members to, to agree to something, to vote in favor of a resolution for the resolution to pass. And you have to avoid a negative vote from any of the permanent members. And so the permanent members, the P5 so called, are China, Russia, United Kingdom, France, and the United States, right? So basically the victors of the World War II. Um, and so they have the capacity to exercise what's known as a veto. But to be clear here, to exercise the veto, and this is this is actually not. This is not the way the UN Charter reads. UN Charter says you have to have the affirmative votes of the five permanent members. But the practice that emerged, especially after Korea, was that an abstention is not a veto. And so effectively what you need to do is vote against a measure as a permanent member in order to stop it in its tracks. Mm -hmm. And so in this case, we have no veto, right? Because China abstained and we had more than nine. We had 10 uh, members voting in favor. Who do you think voted against? Uh, I don't know. We can make something up. Like? (laughs) Like, I don't know. (laughs) Antarctica town? I don't know. (laughs) Uh, At at any rate, uh, the bottom line is, is this passes. And because it's passed, it's now a binding Security Council resolution, which imposes, therefore, an obligation on Misfit and Christmastown to cease and desist 
all and any use or threat of force in violation of the UN Charter. And that's important, in violation of the UN Charter. Right. All right, we'll come back to that in a second. Okay. So if they do not comply with this Security Council resolution, that's a breach of their international obligations. Yes. Okay. Okay. So what happens? So on December 22nd, 2019, violent misfit protesters occupied the Christmastown Embassy in Misfit, <gasps> incarcerating its staff. So basically, we're looking at Iran. Yeah, basically, right. we're trying to fold as much of uh, right. <laughs> okay, <laughs> boss Elvis turned into the Ayatollah. It's right. great. Okay, misfit toys soldiers failed to intervene to stop the incursion. Right. Okay. So the the bottom line is that uh, there's an obligation in international law on states. This is this goes to some of the conversations we've had in the past about the Vienna Convention on Diplomatic Relations, and so it, a diplomatic mission to another state is clothed with inviolability, but there's also an obligation on the receiving states to provide protection of that diplomatic mission. And so what happened in Iran and and what happens in our facts here, we have misfit protesters who occupy the embassy. Now, they're not state organs. They're not state agents. There's no evidence they're under the effective uh, control of misfit. They're they're private actors. Right. Um, There's no state responsibility, therefore, for the conduct of the protesters per se. Not yet. At least we haven't given any facts to suggest that. However, the misfit toy soldiers failed to intervene to stop the incursion. And so they, they did not perform their the state's obligations, misfits' own obligations, to provide the protection that's required under the Vienna Convention. What happens if they tried and failed? Well, then if you can make the argument that the, that they, in, in good faith, tried to meet their international obligations, and that's another thing. Now, the, what happened in Iran, as you may recall, is the facts were that the then new Iranian revolutionary government did not stand in the way of the protesters who occupied the U.S. embassy. But more than that, thereafter, they embraced the conduct of those private actors in and taking the embassy and holding the American uh, uh, staff hostage. And that em- embrace of their conduct was enough thereafter to attribute responsibility to the Iranian government. They basically said, you're private actors, but we accept your conduct, we embrace it. That's enough to create state responsibility for Iran. So Iran ended up being responsible not just for failing to protect, but also ultimately was responsible for the uh, initial conduct of the protesters and seizing the embassy and holding hostage. It wasn't just they were holding hostage. They treated those individuals very poorly. Yeah. Right. Okay. All right. So what happens next? We'll come back to Hermie here. So Hermie, remember, Hermie is the foreign minister of Christmastown. Who's, yeah. Still in Misfit. He's still in Misfit. Yeah. So, and what happens? He's arrested. Oh, man. Yeah. So the Misfit authorities. That's a violation. Oh, yeah. They arrest uh, poor Hermie, who's the foreign minister, and charge him with espionage under misfit law and his trial begins on December 24th of 2019 right so um wow misfit has become kind of radicalized yeah, pretty quick yeah things are going downhill it's not great yeah okay yeah. my students will tell you that in my international law classes they always go downhill <laughs> <laughs> I would I would suggest that um okay so that's a violation oh, yeah uh, that's it, but clear. it's a different violation right so before we were talking about obligations under the Vienna Convention on diplomatic relations and that's for diplomats and and, and diplomatic premises Hermie is the foreign minister. He's not a diplomat. He's not, in fact, an accredited diplomat to the state oh, of Misfit. Okay. Instead, sure. he's a foreign affairs minister. And yet you would expect foreign affairs ministers and also heads of government and heads of state to have some clothed with state some immunity. sort of immunity. Yeah. yeah, and so actually the concept is state immunity. Oh, wham. Not totally diplomatic immunity, but rather state immunity, which is a different source of immunity in public international law. It exists at custom international law. There's actually now a treaty uh, as well that, that governs uh, state immunity. And the idea is that you want to hold the 
those persons who represent the states often in international affairs inviolable from the, the laws of the states that they visit, right? And so in this case, it's clearly a violation of state immunity for the foreign affairs minister to be uh, charged and tried for espionage under misfit law. The the dispute, the most famous dispute that arose in this area that uh, we've talked about in the past and listeners may be familiar with is the Pinochet case in the United Kingdom. And in that case, Pinochet was a former head yeah. of state and uh, the UK House of Lords concluded that, oh, well, the state immunity concept does not extend to former heads of state. Um, and so, but here, uh, Hermes still a foreign minister and so he's clothed with uh, this immunity. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, should I go onwards? Sure. Yeah. Okay. So, Christmas Town expresses its outrage with misfit machinations and declares a code orange alert on December 23rd. All of its military forces were put on standby and reservists were called to the military bases. Christmas Town toy soldiers occupy Christmas Island, capturing misfit toy soldiers and scientists. Okay. So, stop there. Is there anything wrong with Christmas Town declaring a code orange alert and deploying its reservists and assembling its forces on its own military basis. I would say the f- only problem is that it's Christmas town. So why is it orange? It should be like red or green. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's okay. right. That's that, right. So that it's a that red alert. Red alert. Red or alert. Red, okay. red and yeah, peppermint that, that, that's alert. That's a serious problem. But, uh, but the bottom line is there's no... On, on, on their own basis, it's yeah, not a problem. It's not a problem. No. What about it, occupying... It's like Cuban Missile Crisis, right? Like when... Uh, what, like or any other circumstance where you... Sure. Yeah. So what about occupying Christmas Island? That is now a violation. Well, is it a violation of sovereignty? Because it's undetermined. Ah, yes. So from Christmas Town's perspective... Oh, see, I caught myself there. From Christmas Town's perspective, they think that they have got sovereignty over Christmas Island. From Misfit Toys' perspective, from the island of Misfit Toys' perspective, they assert sovereignty over this island. But it's a violation of the UN Security Council resolution. Right. Yes! Okay. <laughs> right. So so setting aside who's got the proper... Uh, even if Christmas Town is right, the UN Security Council said... You must desist all and any use of threat of use of force in violation of the UN Charter. Now, you know, they've gone ahead, Christmas Town has gone ahead and occupied Christmas Island, presumably on the theory that Christmas Island is theirs and the toy soldiers from Misfit that are on the island are conducting an illegal occupation in violation of international law. Now, right. if I was Christmas Town's lawyer, or if you more particularly were Christmas Town's no, lawyer. No, that would be a terrible mistake. <laughs> <laughs> what might you say in, in rebuttal? I would say, well, this is our traditional territory and that we claim dating back to 1066. And therefore? Therefore, this is a right of self-defense. Right of self-defense. And, so, and you, the Security Council, said that we must desist from any use or threat of force in violation of the UN Charter. And the UN Charter in Article 51 says we have an inherent right, right of, of self-defense. Defense. Right. So there's some wiggle room there. Right. right. It's kind of devious. Now, of course, the issue then turns on the merits as to who properly is the sovereign in on this island. And as we've said already, it's probably not a great case for Christmas Town. All right. So then we go on. Right. So can I just ask a yeah. quick question? What would have happened if Christmas Town, like, say, had historical maps that with the island in it or had songs about the island? Yeah, well, and- that's like the Chinese positioning in the South China Sea. Right? Well, yeah. So I'm wondering. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. These these, these things are really intensely factual, right? And so also, some of those islands, China, like frankly, they're not really built. islands. Yeah, they're yeah, just yeah. like they're like a yeah, lot of yeah, sand. Yeah, they don't really and, count. And the, and, the, and the Chinese position is very, very sweeping. It's famous nine, nine dash line, which basically swallows up the entire South China so Sea. Because um, I was going to say, like, what happened? Like, because because could misfit toys like if they built like an island like beside it to try and claim it as oh like it's contiguous with yeah, our territory no, or whatever? Well, that's not that doesn't count because under the law of the sea, and this is a totally different issue. 
fake islands don't count. Well, building an island out of the middle of nowhere in the high seas doesn't give you now jurisdiction over the high seas because you built up a part of the ocean into something that you can live on, right? So um, that's certainly, I mean, that, that would be a problem. But, but you know, on, on these facts, so the, the, the real issue in terms of, say, the, the Chinese context and, and the question about sovereignty, and you asked the question, well, what about the, all these old maps and historical usage and use for fishing purposes? And, you know, we can prove that fishing boats used to stay at this little island Et cetera, et cetera. Well, at the end of the day, um, that historical evidence is sometimes deployed by different sides, and it really is being deployed in the South China context. And so you have Vietnamese claims that talk about historic use for fishing of certain islands, and you've got Chinese counterclaims of that sort. At the end of the day, the if you cannot establish that sovereignty was truly established under the law that governed at the time that all these events were taking place, you have to make it work under modern international law. And modern international law talks about effective occupation by the state and state organs, not by, you know, people just happen to be your nationals who are fishing and occasionally went ashore. And so you'd want to be able to demonstrate that it wasn't just, you know, fishing boats, it was the postal service right. or, you know, the Coast Guard that was right. exerting effectively uh, state state uh, authority over the region in question. Right. So, yeah, it couldn't just be like a bunch of people like hanging out unofficially yeah. trying to catch some fish. I mean, states it would make have to argument. be like effective state control. Yeah, well, states make this claim all the time. And the, and so the, the case that some people may be familiar with is the one involving Western Sahara, where both uh, Morocco and Mauritania both claimed the Western Sahara on the basis of ancient ethnic or political ties. And in relation to that, the International Court of Justice said, whoa, well, I mean, these things are really quite intangible. And there's certainly not enough to displace the inherent competency of the Sarawi to assert uh, self-determination on this territory, right? So these kind of murky historical ties, mm, they're deployed really. all the time. But I mean, the, the law is pretty clear. It's got to be an assertion of state authority. Okay. Okay. So should I keep going? Okay. Yep. So so we're, so basically now Christmas Town has uh, occupied, occupied Christmas Island. Christmas right. Island. Yep. Okay. Fair. Um, so panicked, Misfit sent a dozen model toy fighters. Oops. Oh boy, towards Christmas Town's key military base while en route. But before they entered uh, Christmas Town airspace, the fighters were intercepted by Christmas Town air ground. Slingshots, oh God, Craig, and mostly destroyed. One fighter managed, however, to reach Christmas Town. Its pilot indiscriminately drops tinsel on the town, creating chaos in a residential subdivision. So basically, we need to take this to the that like we'll have a whole separate episode on on the um, convention on conventional weapons yeah, it's a, it's a uh, and tinsel. Well, tinsel is a cluster munition. I mean, it's very. I clear. figured yeah. it's clearly either that or white phosphorus, right. but um, <laughs> so, it's all, a little grim. You know, for like Christmas. it hits those power lines and it shorts everything out. <laughs> sure. Um, all right, so. So what issues are engaged by by these facts? What do you suppose? So I would say that fact that Misfit is now also probably in violation of the UN Security Council resolution, but we're kind of beyond that at this point. Yeah, um, so but what are they going to say? They're going to say we're defending our territory. Yeah, right. So also it's self-defense. Article 51, right? right? Article 51. Now, so the question is whether this is legitimate self-defense, right? So, and that would be true also for the, the uh, uh, well, so when Christmastown occupied Christmas Island, it would say that the, we have to occupy this island to take it back. Um, and, they say it, and so it's inherently an exercise of self-defense because it was invaded and it's ours. And the only way to get rid of the invaders is to take it back. But right. here is- But they're, they're doing an offensive action against a territory that's not- So setting aside the territory, yeah. So the, the, the reality in this case is that it's probably not their territory. Mm -hmm. But what about the, the actions of this air force, right? So Misfits Air Force, it sends a dozen toy fighters to bomb this military base. It's intercepted by the rockets and defense- 
Christmas slingshots, cannons, the yeah. slingshots. Um, but then one fighter gets through and and manages to bomb with tinsel Christmas Town. So indiscriminate bombing is inherently right. so an illegal action. Let's, like, right. let's so just, we have to unpack these things. Right? Yeah. So the first thing is, was this force lawfully used by misfit against Christmas Town? They would argue self defense, but for it to be self defense, first of all, they have to suffer an armed attack. Yes. They would say we suffered an armed attack when. Uh, Christmas Town invaded Boss Elf's island, right? right? Uh, our like sovereign territory. Sure. But then it's also got to be uh, proportional, and it's got to be necessary. And he, there's also a requirement of imminence. But in this case, they there is an armed attack, right? Would you know anything about self defense, yeah, Craig? Yeah, right. So necessity <laughs> Wait, and proportionality um, become the issue, right? So what it's it's got to be necessary in the sense that it's the only means to stave off the armed attack that's being defended against. Diplomatic means would fall short. It's it's the last. That's probably going to be a measure. hard sell, right? And, and then it's got to be proportional. It's got to be proportional to the need to stop the armed attack, right? So, so and dropping it on a civilian ah, okay. area is not going to do that. Now, if he dropped it on a military base, say the military base that was providing the provisions to uh, the Christmas Town Army forces that are uh, on Boss Island, I guess. Um, I sound like a crazy person, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> Sorry to sniff this out of context and be like, Seth Garvin's insane. Um, but anyways, but the fact is, like, I think if there had been some kind of military base that was providing the provisions to the army that's on Boss Elf Island, yeah, okay, maybe. But you're you're bombing a, a non-strategic target. Yeah, it looks target. indiscriminate. Yeah. Right. And so I think there's a, probably a problem here from what we call a use ad bellum perspective. Mm-hmm. So under the UN Charter, is this a permissible use? of self-defense or permissible self-defense under custom international law? Probably not. Mm -hmm. But more than that, there's also what we call use in bello or international humanitarian law or law of armed conflict problem because you've now, it would seem, targeted targeted a civilian uh, district with your lethal tinsel weapon, right? And so uh, intentionally targeting non-combatants and so the civilian population in this case is what's known as a war crime, right? So there is an armed conflict now between these two states, an international armed conflict, and you've intentionally targeted a civilian population. So under a separate body of law, international criminal law, you've committed a war crime. And I so, feel like we all need to maybe mine some of that Christmas magic right now. <laughs> well, oh, we'll get into that. Oh, go. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. I'll find everything. Uh, so you coming back to the conversation we had in our last episode about the jurisdiction of the International Criminal Court. Remember, it has jurisdiction over war crimes, crimes against humanity, and genocide. If, uh, let's say, Christmas Town was party to the... Statute of Rome creating the ICC, and that seems likely, right? Santa is the kind of kind of a big joiner, all right? So probably would have joined the uh, Statute of Rome. Uh, in that circumstance, this war crime took place on the territory of Christmas Town, and therefore the ICC would have jurisdiction in the event that Christmas Town does not prosecute itself, or the Misfit Toys refuses to prosecute its pilot, right? And so there is the prospect here of the ICC having jurisdiction. All right. Moving on. Yeah, and, and I would just say that um, the Island of Misfit Toys would have the obligation to uh, prosecute the pilot. Yes. Yes. Right. That's their obligation. Yeah. Right. Okay. And if they didn't meet that obligation, then the ICC would step in. The ICC has what's known as complementarity jurisdiction. Yes. It's, it doesn't, it's not generally the body that would take first kick at the can. Right. So, Boss Elf begins to lose his grip on Misfit. Yeah, no, no he's, he's gone mad with power. There's no question. <laughs> King Moonracer sees his chance to reacquire control of the island of misfit toys. He remember we've discussed this before. He was King Moonracer by a coup. He's the yeah, he was the uh, he was the lion with the wings. Um on the morning of December 25th, 
This is, so this is kind of echoes Romania 1989. Mm. Um, he launches an insurgency among the repressed misfit toys, long abused by Boss Elf. He calls for assistance from NATO. Oh, man. This is going, this is going crazy. Meanwhile, Boss Elf calls on Russia to assist in suppressing the insurgency. Yeah, okay. So we had to get a little bit of Syria in here, right? Yeah. All right. So what about the legality here? So first of all, so you've got King Moonracer. So King Moonracer is no longer the de facto or for that matter, de jure government of misfit, right? He's been displaced. And so is a matter of public international law, he calls upon NATO. Is NATO, by virtue of his invitation, entitled to use force on the territory of misfit in order to support Moonracer? So, uh, well, it's not a treaty member. Um, so let's just start there. Uh, so it's a political choice. So there's not, they can't invoke the NATO the North article Atlantic five. Treaty. Right? There's no yeah. Article 5, right? Um, so you can't, that's a really interesting question. Yeah. I don't, think he can. Right. So, so you know, remember we, we had a conversation about use of force last day and I said there were two. There are actually, to be perfectly correct, there are three, right? So three justifications in international law. There's self-defense, self-defense which we've talked yeah. about, Security Council authorization to use force, which we'll get to. Um, but there's also consent. Consent by whom? By the territorial state. And so if that territorial state, that government, the government that uh, is de facto the the government of that territory, that state says, come on in, use force. That's one thing. I mean, that's, you're not violating your obligations under the UN char- Charter because you're not using... It's not aggression. It's, yeah, it's not aggression, nor is it use of force against the territorial integrity or political independence of the state, right? But so Moonracer doesn't have effective exactly, control yet, yeah. Right? And so okay. Moonracer is not really in a position to offer that exoneration. And so it's very, very difficult to see here how on these facts... NATO can justify assisting a Moonracer, except if NATO can say that, in fact, let's say th- that uh, Christmastown was, in fact, attacked and Christmastown can exert a right of self-defense. And as part of exercising that right of self-defense, it includes collective self-defense and is effectively an assistance of Christmastown, we're now going to use force on the territory of uh, misfit. And that's kind of stretches you get into, right? And we've seen some stretches in the context of the Syria context as well. I think, I think you know, NATO's got a lot of problems right now. I think uh, he would have been better off calling it the Bumble. Uh, well, okay, so what about the next bit here? Boss Elf is looking for help as well. Right, so meanwhile, Boss Elf calls on Russia to assist in suppressing the insurgency. So can Russia lawfully use force on the territory of misfit? I guess the question is, what is, it does... Boss Elf still have effective control. Is he yeah. still? You're saying he's no longer the ruler in fact or law. Well, if I said that, I, I said he's losing his grip. Losing his grip, yeah. but he's still in charge. So yeah, technically right. So, he can. Yeah, he, he can. Much like Assad can call upon the Russians to assist him in his campaign on Syrian territory. But not in committing war crimes. Not in committing war crimes, right? So so again, the two bodies of law, the, what we call use ad bellum, the rules on use of force under the UN Charter, and then the second body is the law of armed conflict, international humanitarian law, use in bellow, how violence is used in an armed conflict. And so you can... Uh, you can surrender your sovereignty interest under the UN Charter and say, come in, use force in my territory. But in doing so, that doesn't exonerate uh, any war crimes that then are committed in the course of providing that assistance. Right. Okay, so should we end this? Yeah, let's keep... Okay, let's, we're going to get we're into the end. Fortunately, Santa's toy soldiers on Christmas Island are able to supply Santa's sleigh with fresh Christmas magic. Mined on Christmas Island. So they've now occupied the island and they're mining the resources and they're giving Santa some Christmas magic. Uh, And, you know, hmm. I was going to say, that does pose some questions. Yeah, that that looks like pillage, doesn't it? If they don't actually own, if if Christmas Island isn't their sovereign territory. it's disputed territory. It'd be like saying, oh, I'm going to take the oil. (laughs) 
Not that oh, anyone no. said that recently. Oh, God, this is so bad. Okay. <laughs> All right. But in, you know. emer- in an emergency session, the Security Council approves a resolution deciding that states may use all necessary means to restore international peace and security on misfits. Okay. So, and, and we're going to. We're going to suspend disbelief here and say that Russia didn't veto that. But um, so you have a Security Council resolution. Maybe he had a good dose of Christmas magic. <laughs> Putin believes. Putin believes, right? So the the Security Council celebrate Christmas under on the Chapter 25th. Seven. That's a whole other thing, but <laughs> right. that's whatever. <laughs> under Chapter Seven, they've decided that states may use all necessary means, and all necessary means is or all necessary measures is a typical code language they use in a resolution when they authorize use of force. Right. So there's been an authorization of use of force here. And so Santa then overflies Misfit, dropping Christmas magic. All the factions settle disputes amicably and drink some eggnog. End of story. Right. So Santa's. <laughs> if only, if only. So Santa's overflying Misfit. Right. And dropping Christmas magic. And he's doing so under authorization to use force from the Security Council, because otherwise that would violate the sovereignty of Misfit. Right. And so he'd have to find some other justification for flying over Misfit and dropping Christmas magic everywhere. Now, maybe he'd say oh, this Oh, I a, see, because uh, he's intervening to stop civil war. Well, effectively, oh, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. But, like, if he was trying to... What, what if he was dropping his Christmas magic just, just to assert authority? Well, no, but you can't do that. So he'd have to probably say, in the absence of Security Council resolution, this is a manifestation of my inherent right of self-defense against misfit. Right. I mean, you can see how these, these discussions get very complicated, because states assert self-defense against each other's assertions of self-defense. And, of course, in law, you can't have self-defense against self-defense. But we can all have eggnog. <laughs> we can all have eggnog. <laughs> <laughs> this was epic. Was that fun? Yeah, it was epic. I, I, you know what? I didn't embarrass myself too much. No, it was great. I mean, I think, I think I'm, I'm getting uh, international law by osmosis. And, and, and you know, thank you for the you know the three people who stuck with us <laughs> through our our second annual Christmas uh, pageant. I can't wait till next year. <laughs> It's going to, I mean, we're going to, I don't know how we're going to continue to sort of up the ante with this stuff. We'll have to have some kind of. Well, the Christmas war of 2019 <laughs> is going to be, I'm sure, in our hearts uh, for some time to come. But thank you for coming up with another fantastic set of facts that we can explore and perhaps confuse a lot of our listeners, <laughs> particularly the ones from Quebec who've never seen the Rudolph Christmas special. <laughs> okay. Thanks very much, everyone. And happy holidays. Happy holidays. See you in 2020. 